Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're talking to Mike Abernathy. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. It's great to have you on the show. Mike is the president and chief executive officer of Buckeye State Credit Union. And we'll get more into kind of the world of finance. Mike, I told you up front that I got lots of questions on what's going on with the market today and inflation, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career today. Yeah, uh, I'm a small town guy uh, in Northeast Ohio. I grew up in a little town called Worcester, Ohio, and, uh, you know, started my career around here. Uh, Started in banking with uh, National City Bank, got over 20 years ago. And uh, just kind of worked my way through uh, really a very linear career, teller, banker, manager, mortgage loan officer, you know, manager, uh, all the way up to commercial lending, running retail, running lending. Then suddenly here I am, present CEO, unconventional to to say the least. I think actually the beauty of that type of background is that you get to see all those component pieces as you come up. And so it, now that you're uh, in, a, in a senior leadership role, it gives you a different perspective. You know, sometimes people don't have that because they, they never really were doers, but you, you do have that perspective, which must be, must be great. And then also clearly what a, what a dramatic change in the banking world during the last 20 years, right? Oh goodness. Yes, absolutely. Just, Dramatic changes this in the last, you know, five, 10, 15. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know North, Northeast, Northwest Ohio that well. I know more of the Cincinnati area. I, uh, my, my, uh, my grandfather was a professor at Miami of Ohio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I got to spend a lot of time there. And I remember eating a lot of Skyline chili. That's the only thing I, I, I <laughs> oh, that's a popular dish here in uh here in Ohio, but we're we're located and I'm located in the greater Cleveland Akron area. So right there in the northeast quadrant. Excellent, excellent. So tell me more about what you guys are doing at Buckeye State Credit Union. Yeah, Buckeye State Credit Union, we're uh we're an old credit union, been around since 1933. But uh we've we've kind of had this roller coaster ride as a as a history. So I got here in 2016 and the credit union wasn't doing very well. And I was originally brought in to be the head of the retail branches. And eventually that morphed into takeover uh, lending and the branches and, and marketing. And uh, in 2018, I got the opportunity to become the CEO. But when I, when I got here, you know, we were, to put it bluntly, as uh, the Ohio Credit Union League uh, officials said, we were on hospice. It didn't look like we were going to make it. Yeah. And uh, through some creative risk taking, uh, we we're able to recover the credit union fully, and and now we're growing. So it's been it's been an interesting ride going from just trying to survive now really trying to thrive. 
I mean, it's, you know, when you rebuild something like that, it's, it's, a uh, it, you're going to have those moments. You're going to have those, like, I don't know how it's going to go, but uh, <laughs> we're going to keep going. But, you know, they're, they're, you come to the point now that you're at and it, it is, it's a good perspective to have as well um, on, on the next phase and on growth. I mean, how do you, how do you change your mindset though, from kind of like that, that save mode if that if if that makes any sense to growth mm-hmm. mode oh it's it's not easy because when things are are not going well it's it's about trying to you know reduce costs without you know we got a heart you know we don't want to have to lay people off if we don't have to we want to we want to grow our personnel you know, we don't want to have to close branches. You know, we had to make some tough decisions to to try and survive. So we went through a mode where it was, we don't spend money. We're, we're going to figure out how we do it creatively internally to, wow, we have income to do stuff now. And even to this day, we've, we've been in pretty good shape for, for a few years now. And even the senior management team, they're, they're still running some small uh, spends by me. And it's, kind of like it's not 16 anymore we we can we can afford a few hundred bucks so uh it's it's been a change in in culture and mindset but i think it's a good thing to still have though to to be mindful about how you spend but making sure that there's a there's a good investment that there's going to be a good return that it's going to benefit the employees and the members so if you you know if you just recklessly spend, you're going to be right back to where you were. So it's it's all about trying to find the value in, in what you're putting your money into and, and, and making sure the credit union is moving forward in a positive direction. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting challenge. And I, I was reading recently that uh, Jeff Bezos was uh, was saying at a conference that he said, uh, none of my leadership team think about anything that is going to happen in the next three to six months. We focus our, all of our energy on 12 months down, down the road. And I, and I, and I thought, wow, what a great luxury to have (laughs) when you're, when you're in that, when you're in that safe mode, it's like, you know, what's tomorrow going to look like. (laughs) Right. But there's, there's something to be said about that though. And that's a big thing about what, what our organization's doing right now. And, And, and you're absolutely right. When you're in survival mode and trying to save money and, you know, you're, you're thinking month to month, you might be thinking week to week, but now we have that luxury. And I just had a planning session with my executive team this morning on what does the next 18 months look like? And we're thinking six, 12, 18 months out and building plans out to, to really try and and, and deliver a differentiating experience for uh, our members, our employees in the community. So yeah, there's something to be said about that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I love it. And I, I've decided that that's going to be my goal. You know, uh, I think whenever you're an entrepreneur and you start something out, there's those uh, early days uh, where you're just trying to make sure you hit payroll. Right. And then you get to that next phase, which obviously you guys are in. And, and that's a wonderful moment right, where you can start to think about growth and think about the next and what a what a dynamic time in the in the financial markets. I mean, um, I I I look at how the markets have grown dramatically over the last year, but also kind of like how the world is starting to reopen again. How are you seeing that kind of impact what you guys do? You know, we we took some strategic risk during COVID, 
And we closed three of our four branch lobbies for maybe two weeks. But uh, this is kind of the thing about Buckeye that makes Buckeye special is that we have a NCUA uh, low income designation. So a lot of our members, uh, they're not living paycheck to paycheck. They're, they're living moment to moment, day to day. And there's a big technological gap in some of these communities. So, you know, just to say, go use your phone, go use a laptop, log into online banking is not that easy. And some folks don't have, you know, reliable transportation. You know, it's not just, you know, go get to the ATM whenever you want. They're, they're catching public transportation. You know, when you start getting into the colder months, that becomes a lot more difficult. So it's, it's important that we, we kept those offices open. So we spent two weeks early on just securing all the, the, the PPE that we could get. Uh, we had branded masks. We put up the, uh, the germ shields. Uh, at all of our desks and teller windows, and and we welcomed them back in. And uh, I think it went a long ways because, you know, even in Ohio, you know, we are just now seeing some financial institutions reopen after uh, 15 months. So uh, it was it was a message we wanted to send to our community. Uh, we made sure that every staff member stayed employed. We didn't lay anybody off. And we wanted to send that message. You know what? This is a tough time. And it's unprecedented. We've never lived through anything like this. And uh, we're going to be here and we're going to we're going to stay strong and be brave and uh, stand with you guys. So it, it worked out real well for us through that period. Yeah. And it sounds to me, um, were you guys involved in a lot of like the PPP loans and all that type of stuff? Or not? No, we, we didn't get involved in the PPP. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> nobody uh, our, our size was quite prepared to take on that type of volume. Um, you know, we've, we've grown 30 million in assets over the last year, but um, business lending was something that we, we did a little bit of. We didn't do a ton of it. So uh, I, I'd love to sit here and say that we were ready for everything and that we were fully prepared, but that was one that it, it came out quick and, and we just, we were unable to really adapt fast enough to be able to take that, that business on. Yeah, I mean, th those those changes happen fast. And, it, it, you know, I think one of the points that you mentioned, I think is really interesting is with individuals that don't have access or perhaps, you know, travel, you know, on buses and et cetera, you know, you raised the point, which is like, it's very flippant to say, oh, we'll just go online and, and mm -hmm. you know, look at your account. Um, uh, you know, I, I think actually many schools had that challenge as well where it was low oh, yeah. income students and they were like, oh, well, you know, you, we're going to go virtual. And you know, these kids were like, well, uh, and, and what we, am I supposed saw, to do? I don't have a computer at home or, or, you know, I share a computer with everybody in my house, you know. And and we we learned that the hard way in Northeast Ohio. There there were some real challenging times and it was especially difficult, you know, this past winter. Uh, when everybody kind of thought COVID was kind of making its way out, it came back with a roar in, you know, November, December, and a lot of schools went back to fully remote. And you start to get into some of the uh, low-income communities. Uh, the schools can provide the laptop, but they can't provide the Wi-Fi. And, and a board member of mine shared a really sad story in that uh, she she's a volunteer in, in Cleveland, does a lot of things in the Cleveland area. And they saw a group of kids huddled outside in 20 degree weather outside of a library that was not open, but their Wi-Fi was still on, trying to connect their school laptops 
to Wi-Fi from outside the building to do their homework. And to me, that that is such a failure on so many levels that we didn't consider that stuff uh, at, the, at the different school levels and even the state level that there are a lot of children left behind. And it, it was it was a tough story to hear, but it, it, it really made us think about the communities that we serve and how we need to serve them, that everything nowadays is very digital tech. We have to remember there's still a there's still a population out there that that doesn't have all of the tools that that, you know, a, a digital modern society has and that we have to be prepared to do business the way they need to do business. So we've we've kept a very close eye on, you know, having that in-person and very personal experience rather than just referring them to a website or an app. Uh, we got to make sure that we have that personal touch and that we're making ourselves available in the way that they can do business. I think that's a really good point. It's kind of making sure that you get that balance right. Um, how many people that you have in the in the local branches and, and uh, mm -hmm. making sure that you can answer those questions. So so let's talk about this, the, the, the near future. I mean, I uh, keep hearing uh, stories about inflation. What should be <laughs> what, what should we be worrying about? Well, you know, it's it's hard to project at this point. Uh, obviously, inflation is being felt across the country, and and I would say even in a, a, a smaller area like where I live, I live in Worcester, Ohio. Um, we're seeing cost of of goods and cost of employment going up, which uh, you know is a big deal. We're seeing an inflation of the dollar. But what I would say is, is that as more manufacturing opens up and as more of the global supply chains start to break up the bottlenecks, that we're going to see some of this level off. Um, when, when, I, when I look at some of the key problems right now is, you know, the United States is well ahead of the curve. You know, uh, regardless of politics, the, the, the previous administration, and the current administration have taken this very serious. Uh, they've they've gotten a vaccine out there that that appears to be pretty effective in in a large part of the countries reopened and sometimes it's easy for us to forget that there's parts of the world that are still locked down and still battling this disease. So uh, you know I like what we're doing now globally, which is trying to get more vaccines to at need countries and getting uh, you know especially like uh, Taiwan for example produces a lot of microchips and microchips go in anything you know, car, cell phone, computers. And so it's slowing down the auto industry because they need these microchips. You know, it could be slowing down the cell phone industry because they need these microchips. And so as these countries continue to reopen, you're, you're going to see that the supply is going to start to meet the demand and this pent up demand is going to get fulfilled. You know, other things too, is that a lot of e-commerce is going to help drive some of that down. As, as more e-commerce reopens and the supply chains reopen, it's going to create a lot, of, uh, a lot of competition. So the more competition is going to start to drive the prices back down to where they're more comfortable. So I, I think probably by fourth quarter this year, we're going to see a nice little equilibrium between, the, uh, between supply and demand. And we're going to see some of this start to, start to flatten out a bit. But I think we're going to be a little bit we're going to be in a little bit of a rocky, you know, journey for maybe the next three, four months. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping you're right, Mike. I, 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 um, you know, I, I tried to purchase a, uh, a sofa via, uh, for, <laughs> for my living room and, you know, the supply chain I had, I, I think that it was, it was basically 
the earliest they could get it to me was like middle of October. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it, it just, it really, I think probably brought home for me, the, the, the shortages that were out there and um, people are really catching up on this stuff. So um, be, another thing to consider as well is uh, this is a big topic as well, is that folks that, that were laid off during the pandemic, uh, they, there's a lot of folks reconsidering what's next for their career path. Not everybody's going back to what they were doing before. And so we, we have some legislation and, and unemployment funds that are going to be rolling, I think, until September. I know some states are starting to, to shut those off a little quicker to get people back into the workforce. But this is something that a lot of employers need to consider as well, that you know, just because maybe you worked in lumber and, and helped produce you know, the specific cuts of, of wood that, that you might get at Lowe's or Home Depot, they may say, you know what? I have an opportunity. I don't want to do that anymore. Everything's resetting. Everybody's hiring. Maybe I should try something else. And this is going to be an interesting period the next you know, three to four months. This plays into it because it's not always just the supply chains. It's also the labor force trying to uh, get people back in so that they can produce and manufacture. And un- unfortunately for some of the employers, some folks are taking a second look at their careers, but that's a good thing for, for those folks as well because they're getting the chance to uh, maybe f- pursue something and, and take some career risk that, that might make them happier in the long run. I, it's a great question and a, a challenge to, 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 to discuss and, 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 and work through. I, I, um, I look at a lot of companies that seem to be embracing more flexible structures to accommodate uh, some of the life needs that those executives mm-hmm. have. Um, I mean, tell me a little bit about how you guys were operating um, mm-hmm. during the pandemic. How did you guys manage that? We were extremely fortunate. So as as you heard our history a little bit, we we went through some tough times in 2016. So uh, my predecessor and I made a decision that we were going to close our administrative office. And we moved our administrative employees, you know, late 2016, early 2017 to remote working. So that's really been in place. Now you see, I'm in an office today. Uh, better times allow us to have an office space again, but we we had pretty much the essential back office folks were already used to working from home, and so it was very minimal disruption whatsoever. So uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of folks now saying, "Hey, I want to keep working from home," <laughs> and now we've got an office space, and we have folks who've been working from home for the last four or five years. They're saying, "Hey, do you think I could get a space up at a up at our corporate office now?" And it's all of a sudden we're starting to get pretty packed in this place. So it's interesting how the waves roll, but um, we're we're pretty prepared for it, and we didn't really see any disruption in service. Yeah, I I think getting that kind of balance again correct is going to be. We're going to probably see a surge of a desire to mm-hmm. to to be. To be back with you, Mike, in the office there and uh, in other situations, uh, not being there, I guess, being at home. But, you know, probably that, that point that you're raising, which is about talent and how how these companies are going to maintain uh, the levels of talent and, and the employees bring those employees back is going to really, I think, depend on their flexibility, don't you think? A little bit. Um, I think that... Uh flexibility is always going to have to be part of a good business plan. Um, Rigidity is not meant for long-term success. You got to be flexible with what 
the times are telling you. So, uh, you know, if that means that there's going to be more work from home options, then you got to be flexible and willing to adapt to some of those changes. Uh, on the other hand, you know, you still got a business to run and there's certain lines of business that you just can't be flexible with. And, and that's the tough part. You know, I'm sure that our in-branch employees looked at some folks and be like, man, they're lucky they get to work from home. Uh, unfortunately, you can't do a, do a cash deposit or a cash withdrawal from, from your couch. So yeah, exactly. uh, it's like, you still need tellers, right? You still need yeah. people that are going to be there to interface with, with individuals when they come in. So, so tell me, Mike, on a probably more of a personal level or personal path during, during the pandemic, how did you, how did you stay sane the whole, whole process? <laughs> there, there were some challenges because uh, as I'm playing CEO, I'm also playing husband because my, my wife did get laid off for a period of time and my daughter was doing the uh, remote learning. So I went from a very quiet working environment to a much louder working environment. But, you know, we, we were we were able to get through it. My daughter did well. My wife uh, went back to work. And uh, we were able to grind through it. But what really kept me sane was thinking beyond COVID. Um, I think a lot of folks got caught up in what do we do next? And, and believe me, there's plenty of those conversations. But some of the ideas that we're rolling out now and some of the things we're working on uh, were the brainchild during times when we weren't getting together. And, and we were uh, just really working remotely, no in-person meetings. And it allowed me a lot of time to think and allowed my uh, leadership team to also think about some things. and. It's allowing us to uh, proceed forward with some some pretty cool stuff. I I do think that 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 period of reflection is gonna gonna be something that people remark on for the next decade. You know, they'll talk about a lot of stuff that come came out of of this past year as as we kind of rethought, reimagined, and rebuilt uh, a lot of different models. I completely completely hear that, but. You, st- you mentioned that you spent a lot of time thinking about the future. So uh, tell me what, what the key priorities are for you guys looking forward. You know, I think a big piece of, of what we need to do now is now COVID really woke us up to focus. And prior to COVID, we're, we had a lot of irons in the fire. And once that hit, it's like, okay, we have to focus on safety of our employees, safety of our members, safety of the community. But it really changed the mindset from here's like a bunch of different ideas and thoughts to let's focus in on who we are. And a big focus that we're trying to, to get across is uh, access to affordable credit. And we're, we're putting together a lot of different promotions and campaigns, and we're rebuilding some product sets that are going to specifically uh, gear towards that. Uh, one other thing that we really thought about is, is the credit union industry as a whole uh, memberships are aging, and we're we're not seeing the influx of of younger members that that we'd like. So we have to start to prioritize how do we continue to get a balance of you know the folks that have have been been with us for a while and others who are just getting in, and and so we have built a new product suite that's going to focus on the youth, which specifically we're getting ready on July first. We're going to roll out a a new product called the Youth Empowerment Account, which a small child, I mean, nine, nine, 10 years old, and they're gonna be able to get a shared account with their parents where it's gonna, the money's gonna be controlled by the parent. The child's gonna be able to request the money to be transferred over and they're gonna get a debit card. So it's gonna teach children early 
you know, okay, this is, I have this amount of money. I can't spend more than that. This is how I use a card. Maybe, you know, as they get older, we're, we're adopting, you know, Apple Pay, uh, Samsung Pay, Google Pay. How do I pay, you know, touchless? And, uh, you know, part of this account is also going to be learning how to invest as well and having access to investments at a young age and learning how to save and grow your money. And then as you progress through the account, because this account is, an, it is really a journey, you know, how do you get your first loan? Well, I'm sure you and I growing up went to mom, dad, or a grandparent, hey, I, I need to get a car loan and I don't have any credit, you know? And, and so we've developed uh, a youth empowerment card, which would be the first credit card. You don't need mom and dad on it. It's a small limit, but you know, you turn 18, you got a job, you know, we'll work with you. Uh, we also have a first time auto buyers uh, loan. So you don't need to bring mom, dad, or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle. We'll give you the loan on your own so that you have the ability to establish your own credit. You know, not every parent has great credit and they're not always going to be the best co-signer. So we're giving uh, young people a chance to be able to that establish their to, credit. On does, their that own. does that allow them to build up a credit history from like 910? Oh, that's brilliant. No, not not from that age. But the idea is that we start with a youth empowerment account and start a journey. You know, they get to about age 16. We start to pull some of the restrictions off because, hey, they're going to start driving. They're going to drive to school. They might have a part time job. Hey, they got a boyfriend, girlfriend. They may want to go to dinner. You know, don't have to ask mom or dad. Hey, can you release some money for me? But the idea is get them to 18, roll them into a normal account and then start talking to them about building their credit. And hopefully by that time, they've also started to invest some money and save. That way, if they are thinking of going to college or going to a trade school, uh, they're going to have some money available so that they're not getting deep into student loan debt. I love it. I mean, I, I, I sat here thinking I have been, I had a, a kind of something called a junior banker's account at my, <laughs> my local bank when I was nine or 10 years old. And, um, I, you know, unfortunately, I, I wish, Mike, I had parents that would have co-signed for things, but I, I did, I did right. not. But, um, but I am still with the same bank today. Like, and, that and says I, a lot. And, and, and that bank has been merged and merged again and merged again, and now it's part of a big conglomerate. But somehow I've stayed loyal through... Mm -hmm. years and years so i, I think you're on the same here yeah yeah so it, it it makes a ton of sense and i i really love it well listen mike it's been great having you on uncaged today uh talking a little bit about what's happening with the banking industry with the credit union industry and and then also with what's happening uh with you guys at uh, buckeye state credit union um we've been speaking to mike abernathy uh, Mike is the president and CEO at Buckeye State Credit Union. If uh, people want to reach out to you, Mike, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, they can go to our website, www.buckeycu.org. And, uh, you know, anybody's welcome to email me. I make it public. It's mabernathy at buckeycu.org. Awesome. Well, listen, Mike, again, thank you so much uh, for being on the program today. Uncaged provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the commerce of tomorrow. And we've been talking about Mike uh, Abernathy on really all of the things that have been being redeveloped in the uh, 
credit union space, especially with Buckeye State Credit Union, as well as how companies and individuals uh, weathered the storm last year. And then looking at some of the exciting things that we see on the horizon uh, as, as uh, businesses reshape. So thank you again, Mike, for being on this show. And we look forward to talking to you again. Ben, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.